So just before God says some stuff to us um, to really change us, um, we're going to have an opportunity to say some stuff to God um, to really change some things in our world, which is good, isn't it? In other words, I'd love us to pray into something um, together. Um, Does anyone know what's happening on Thursday? Yeah, that small matter of a referendum that actually has the potential to make a major impact um, on the direction that this country is going in, um, the continent that we're part of, um, and even you know the world in terms of the economic. We live in a globalized society, don't we? And, and the effects of the decision that this nation makes on Thursday will be felt around the world. So I think it'd be really good for us um, to pray together. Now, we're not going to tell you as a church which way um, you should vote, but we do want to encourage you um, to vote. If you are registered, um, if you haven't already, some of us have voted by post already, um, but if you have got a vote and you're registered to vote, we really want to encourage you to use that on Thursday because we think this is really important. We want to encourage you to pray about and to think carefully about how you vote. And so I will offer this advice on how to vote, okay? Um, Whatever way you decide, and stop calling things out, guys. It's going against what I'm trying to share with you now. Um, Whatever way you decide to vote, I want to encourage you to resist what a lot of the campaigning has been trying to appeal to. And that is fear and selfishness. A lot of the campaigning has been aimed at what will make you as an individual better off. What, what will make you as an individual scared of things that they're trying to scare you with. And that's been on both sides of the campaigning. Um, trying to make us think about me and my little world and what's the impact on me. And I want to suggest that as Christians, what we should be thinking about, what will be most conducive for the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah? Now, people might well land on different sides of the argument, even in answering that question. But it would at least be a start, wouldn't it, if that was what we were trying to answer the question from. Um, what will be most conducive for the gospel going forth in our society and in our world? And also, what will be most conducive for the prosperity and the peace of all people everywhere all people in the world. Again, not protection. It's not just me and my little situation. But what would be the best thing? Help me, Lord, to think and to take my little bit of responsibility that I've got in voting to make the best decision I can with your grace, with your help, to say what will be good for the gospel and what will be good for the peace and prosperity of all people. So we're just going to pray together for a few minutes, and I want to help us in our praying together, because you might be in a group with someone who honestly believes the way to answer that question is different to how you think it is. So no praying, Lord, get us out of the EU, or Lord, help us to stay in the EU. You can do that at home, okay? But this evening, we're going to be one people united in heart and mind saying, we want what is good and best for our nation, and let's be honest None of us actually knows what's going to happen either way, whatever way the vote goes. None of us knows for definite how it will all pan out. But let's pray and say, God, help us. Help us to take this seriously. And, Lord, we also recognize that whatever way it goes, if we come out of the EU, it is not going to solve all of Britain's problems. And if we stay in the EU, it is not going to solve all of Britain's problems. And so, Lord, whatever the outcome, we know that this nation needs you. 
And we know that we need you to help us to be a blessing in the world. We need you to help the gospel to advance in our society. We need you to bless all people everywhere. And that's what we want. We want your kingdom to come. Yep. So is that clear? So we're going to pray. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we're trusting things into God's hands. And we're saying, God, help us to play our part. And whatever way it goes, Lord, we're praying for our nation. We're praying that you will take control. You will bless our leaders, help them. There's been a lot of rhetoric. There's been a lot of division. There's been the tragic events um, with um, the MP, Joe Cox. And we're just praying, Lord, we're just looking to you for our nation. So let's just spend um, three, four minutes now um, praying with the people around you into what we've just shared and honoring one another by not promoting our own agenda. So yeah, Lord, we want to seek first your kingdom and we want your gospel um, to continue to advance and we want people to be able to live in peace and prosperity and we want to be able to show them your love and demonstrate your kingdom. So Lord God, we... Just as you taught us to, um, we do seek the blessing of God on our nation and where we live. And we want, Lord God, to ask for your help for leaders as we go into these last few days. And we pray, Lord God, we just, we're so glad that we, when we don't know the answers and when we don't know how it's all going to pan out, Lord God, we're so glad we don't have to be afraid because ultimately our hope and our trust is in you, Lord God. And so we do bring our nation before you and we ask for your help and your sovereign goodness and grace at this time, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Amen. 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 So, um, I um, spoke here three weeks ago, um, and um, we were looking at this whole subject of um, being one in heart and mind, of being together. Um, we talked about how God has called us together um, as a people. In fact, we sang this evening, didn't we? Um, I believe in the saints' communion. I believe in his holy church. Um, when we sing, I believe in the saints' communion, we're not just singing, I believe in having bread and wine um, sometimes. Um, we're actually talking, that word communion, um, it's talking about the fellowship the sharing that we have. Fellowship, by the way, doesn't mean tea and coffee after the meeting. Um, fellowship means literally sharing together. Um, it speaks of sharing life together, participating in the life of Christ um, together. So in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, um, if I can find it, um, Verse 16, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? That's a communion, a participation, a sharing. When we take the cup, we're sharing in the blood of Christ. We're participating, we're entering into the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break a participation, a communion, a sharing, a fellowship in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. So we participate, we have communion. And one of the things that's so powerful about when we have communion together, when we have bread and wine, is actually we're saying we're all participating in the life of Jesus. We're all together in Christ. 
Because if you were here when I last shared three weeks ago, you may remember we talked about how when we become Christians, we come into covenant with God. It's like a a legal agreement, except for although it's just as strong and forceful as as a legal agreement, it's not kind of dry and dusty and, uh, and, you know, it's actually motivated by heartfelt love. It's a passionate thing. And God makes a covenant with us when we become Christian, and it's like the terms, the binding terms of our passionate relationship with one another. But the thing we said was it's not like Tom Ash becomes a Christian and God goes off to his shelf full of covenants, gets another one off the shelf, he signs it, Tom Ash signs it, great, wonderful, in a relationship with Tom Ash now. And then Dave becomes a Christian, so off he goes and gets another one and makes a covenant with Dave. He signs, Dave signs, great, job done, we're in a covenant. And then Debs becomes a Christian, hallelujah. And and off the, no, it's not like that. He's only got one covenant. He's only got one contract, one agreement. And it's got a massive amount of space for all Christians everywhere, throughout time, all over the world, to all sign on the same covenant. So there's one covenant. Though we are many, and actually it's more than just the many here, but it's all the churches in Greater Manchester Actually, it's all the churches in the United Kingdom. It's all the churches in Europe. All the churches in the world throughout the centuries are all one body because they all share in the same loaf. Now, that's a big loaf of bread, but you get the analogy. So God calls us into covenant together. And so what we were talking about is how we've got to resist the spirit of the age, which is an individualistic spirit. And I guess we were referring to it even then. You know, that's what, that's what the campaigners have been playing on with this whole referendum thing. What, you know, what's right for you? How is it going to affect you? And there's, there's not so much talk about our journey together, our trajectory as a people, uh, because our society is more and more, what's the impact on me? And even in the kind of, you know, philosophy of the age, the whole kind of postmodernism and beyond in terms of, well, if it's all right for you, it's all right for you. But, you know, everyone's on their own unique kind of journey. And, and we're losing this sense of being caught up in something together. But God very much calls us into something together. And I believe in the saints' communion. I believe that when I got saved, I got called into covenant with him and therefore with you. I believe that when I became a Christian, my destiny was wrapped up with your destiny because we are the church. I believe in the holy church. I believe in the bride of Jesus Christ that is making herself ready. I believe that Jesus died and gave himself up because he loved the church so much. And any notion that we have of, oh, well, I love Jesus and I love Christianity, but I'm not so sure about the church, it's just nonsensical. Oh, I know that the church is not perfect, just like I know that you're not perfect. Because the church is made up of you and me. And so the church is on a journey. And just like we say, well, the kingdom is now and not yet. Well, of course, the the church is not yet. Isn't it? It's not, it's not completely ready yet. We're making ourselves ready. 
So we're on a journey, but I believe in the church. Do you know why? Because Jesus believes in the church. Because Jesus gave himself up for the church, for a people called into covenant together. And so we read scriptures together, like Psalm 133, where it says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like the oil running down on Aaron, on Aaron's beard, running down on the collar of his robe. It is as the Jew on Mount Hermon. God using this incredible analogy, this, these pictures that would have meant more perhaps to those people reading it back then than it does to us now. But the, the oil on Aaron, it was the symbol of God's anointing. Aaron was anointed with oil and it was symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming upon him to commission him, to give him authority, to recognize what God had called him to do, to enable him to do what God had called him to do. When we live together in unity, it's like the anointing of God that gives us authority and empowers us and enables us to do what God is calling us to do. And this Jew on Mount Hermon, it was the symbol of God's blessing coming from heaven onto the earth. And so when we live together in unity, it's like that anointing that empowers and enables and commissions and gives authority. And it's like the blessing of God himself poured out from heaven into the earth. Our unity is really significant. In Acts chapter 4... We read this as well, verses 32 and 33. Acts 4, 32 and 33. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. I love, I don't think it's insignificant how it runs from. They were all together and they had everything in common. They were united. They were, they were about the same thing. God had spoken to them. God had done something in their lives and they, they were pursuing something together. And I don't think it's coincidence that we go straight into, with great power, the apostles were testifying to the resurrection. And God's grace was on all of them. Romans 15 5 and 6, Romans 15, verse 5 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Those of you that were here, do you remember that we said it's always a little bit of a, of a kind of alarm bells going off on our head when it starts with God having to give us endurance. Yeah. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement Give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. Having a Christ-like attitude towards one another is going to take endurance and encouragement from God. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't kind of speak of a, oh, well, I'll turn up and I'll see if it works for me. And if it doesn't work for me, I'll go somewhere else. I'll see if it kind of fits with my little world or I'll see if it's good for me and I'll see if it fits with my lifestyle. No, it speaks of people who are committed, who say, actually, we're going to endure. 
We're going to endure when the worship band play all songs that I don't like. As if that's the worst thing that we might have to endure. But we're going to endure when, when we don't understand people or when we don't get people or when people didn't come asking after us when we thought that they should or when they, you know, we're going to endure. We're going to keep going. We're going to go strength and encouragement from God because he's called us into something together. Philippians chapter 2. In verse 1, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So in this context, I outlined some of our vision and values, some of our core things that we've said as King's Church who want to go after. And I invited us to kind of own that again and to say, you know, God speaks to us, yes, as individuals. Breaks into our lives, yes, as individuals. And wants an individual relationship with us. You're not just... Member number 5429B in, you're you. You're you. Your name is written on the palm of his hand. He chose you before the creation of the world. He's always known you. He's always loved you. He's always passionately pursued you. But he always had in mind that you would be part of a people. That you would be part of a family That you'd be part of a glorious plan and purpose where being together isn't something you have to just endure, but actually is a huge privilege and a huge blessing because it's God's will and purpose for our lives. And we talked about owning what God says to us and calls us to together every bit as much as we own something that God says over me as an individual. Because we love it when we get a word over our life, over my life. If someone gives me a word, if someone comes up to me, someone it's best, isn't it, when it's someone you don't know. And they couldn't have known anything about you. And they come up to you and they tell you your name. Not just your name, but with your middle name as well. And they know your date of birth and they know your telephone number. And then they say, you are the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And you're going to have this amazing ministry. And people are all going to come and they're going to help you to do your ministry. And, and we, we get excited about it. I mean, some of you would be totally switched off by that. You'd be like, no, I, I want a word that I'm just going to sit quietly and everyone's going to leave me alone. <laughs> but, but we love getting words over our lives. But our challenge is to own the words that come over us as a community every bit as much as the words that come over our own individual lives. And, can I say, because it's not just about King's Church. I mean, King's Church is where we're working it out right now. But King's Church is part of the Church of Jesus Christ. Remember, we said there's one covenant for everyone. So actually, it's about owning the word that God has spoken over his church every bit as much. It's about being just as excited about everything God has said about his church, the one church of Jesus. And then when he applies that through prophetic word into the church in our city, 
and saying what he speaks about the whole church in our city is just as exciting to us as what he says to us about King's Church. And what he says to us about King's Church is just as exciting to us as what he says to us about our own particular expression of it here in Manchester in the evening. And what he says about Manchester in the evening is every bit as exciting to us as what he says over my life as an individual. Because if I identify with this people, then a word over this people is a word over me. So we spent time and we looked at um, love lovers loving others and we broke those different values down and talked about why we're going after them and we appealed, could we renew our, our, our commitment to pursuing those values together because we're a people of one heart and one mind. And I just want to kind of zoom in a bit again on one of those um, areas this evening and that's loving others. Look at 1 John 3, 1 to 3. We've already heard it referred to this evening. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And that's where loved lovers starts with, knowing who we are, knowing that we are loved by God, knowing that he's our Father, and that makes us fall in love with him. We are loved lovers of God. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. When you become a child of God, and and he loves you, and you love him, and it has implications for your life. So all who have this hope have purified themselves even as he is pure. Because being a child of God isn't just amazing, and it is, isn't it? And it's awesome, it's incredible that the God of the universe who created all things cares about you as an individual. He's not just prepared to say, oh, you know, I've got enough kids now, so never mind that that one went astray. He pursued you. He cared about you. He wanted you restored as his son, as his daughter. That's amazing, but it also has implications for your life. Because you now have become the son or the daughter of your father. And so your identity is now not whatever you decide that you want it to be, but it's defined by who your father is. Because you are no longer your own, but you've been bought with a price. And you belong to him. You are his, even as he is yours. And actually, he doesn't say, well, just be however you want to be and do whatever you want to do. But he says, I'll tell you what it means to be my child. So a bit further on in 1 John 3, it says this in verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Wow, that hurts. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And in chapter 4, verse 7 Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 
And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So it starts, loving others starts with loving one another in the church community. Living life together as the community of God's people. So it starts then about caring about the people who turn up here each week. It starts, it's about loving the whole church of Jesus. We're all in covenant together, but that means nothing, doesn't it? If we just turn up and we don't even care about the people who are actually here with us. So I want to just kind of challenge us a bit this evening. Gently, I hope, but, but properly challenging nevertheless. How much do we care about the people in this room? How should we care whether they're here from one week to the next? Do we notice? Do we know? How much do we care what's going on in the lives of the people around us in this room? Or would we rather just get through the service um, and then be able to go home and do our own thing and get on with our own lives? How much do we care about whether we're fulfilling the plan and purpose of God? How much do we care about whether we're fulfilling the words that God has spoken to us? Did we know that VIP was going on yesterday? Had we remembered it from the notices? Or had we forgotten about it when we decided that it wasn't convenient for us to go on that Saturday? Or it wasn't something we wanted to get involved with? So we put it out of our mind and forgot about it. See, we're great about praying for things that touch us, aren't we? I mean, if I have a financial crisis, I remember to pray. Yeah. If I have things going on that touch me in my life, if someone in my family is sick, I remember to pray. How much do I care? How much does what's going on here touch my life? It starts here, but actually we really believe that God has called us as King's Church to have communities all over Greater Manchester. So... Actually, how much does it matter to me what's going on in the rest of King's Church? And did I know that there was a rest of King's Church? Do I know for certain that King's Church in Salford has still been meeting for the last six weeks? Or did they fold? They didn't fold, by the way. Um, But did you know? Do you know how well they're getting on? God spoke a word over us as King's Church about being a center of healing. So, so how are we doing in that? How are we doing in that here? What's going on? How are they doing it on that in Manchester Morning? How are they doing on that in Longsight? How are the people getting on? How are we representing Christ? How are we doing with our evangelism? Do we care? Are we bothered? Or do we just want our service? Do we just want our songs to sing because it suits me in my little world? I'm not trying to condemn any of us this evening. And all of us can get consumed and and busy with our lives. But I'm appealing to us. Say God wants to stir something inside of us. To actually own being part of something bigger than ourselves. Caring about 
other people might look like coming to the summer party. Now, this isn't just about getting numbers up for the summer party, but it's a great illustration, isn't it? Because actually, fish and chips may not be your thing. Kaylee dancing may definitely not be your thing. I mean, the, the, the whole Kaylee dancing thing, it's quite amusing. There's some people that are just really into it. It's like, by the way, if you don't know what Kaylee dancing is, it's kind of like a barn dance or like a kind of, I don't know, slightly Celtic version of line dancing or something like that. Um, and um, those of us that grew up in this country and that are old enough were probably made to do country dancing at school. Um, and it was just this horrific thing that we used to have to do up and down the school hall like this. Um, so anyway, it's that kind of thing. And, and it's, really, it's really interesting because some people come, come to the Cayley and they are totally into it. You can just tell that they have been living their whole lives for this moment. Um, <laughs> to share their Kaylee dancing skills with the rest of us. And they're really into it. Most of us are kind of really rubbish at it. Um, but that's what makes it so hilarious and so much fun. So most of us are a bit kind of holding back for the first song or two. And then you kind of like get into it. And it's really a whole lot of fun. But there are also people there who just like, they're not going to join in. Um, but they're quite happy to be with the rest of us and sit there and watch. And that's okay. My point is this. It's not, is Kaylee dancing my favorite thing? Or are fish and chips my favorite food? I'll decide whether to go or not on that basis. It's, here's an opportunity to be together with my brothers and sisters. Here's an opportunity. Now, you might not be able to make it on this occasion. Maybe for you, it's Big Church Weekend. Big Church Weekend's coming up on Bank Holiday Weekend. Kevin Lee in Wales may not be your favorite place in the world. <laughs> It's not about, we didn't, we didn't put it on because we thought it was the most glamorous location with the most you know, wonderful sunshine, sun lounges and all. No, there's none of that. It's an opportunity for us to be together. It's an opportunity for us to have fun together, to worship God together, to say we're in this together. So I want to appeal to you. By the way, um, I know just how much football means to some of you. Um, and I know some of you are worrying before you buy your ticket for the summer party, what if England are playing at the same time? We will show it somewhere in the building if they're playing. So don't, you can buy your tickets and not fear about the football. So loving others starts, starts with actually caring what's going on. So we will not live individualistic lifestyles. We won't just be living our own little life and tacking on our worship with other people, and this is where it was convenient for me, but actually we'll say, no, we'll invest ourselves into a community and what God is saying to us as a people. But of course, it's not just about loving each other here, is it? Because Jesus made it clear, you know, the greatest commandment is to love God with everything that you are, but the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he told the story of the Good Samaritan to show us that actually my neighbor is anyone I meet who is in need. Anyone you meet who is in need of a savior is your neighbor. And you are called to love that person as you love yourself. And that commandment has equal value with loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. God wants us to love people. Now, he wants us to do that as individuals. So loving one another and being invested into one another and caring about one another means that I have to care about how well you're doing at loving your neighbor and you have to care about how well I'm doing. And you have to encourage me and you have to challenge me if I'm not bothered about it. 
and you have to support me. Now, I know we have varying degrees of relationship, okay? So we'll, we'll, we won't all know everyone across King's Church and the church in Manchester and the church in the world, like, completely. But we'll have varying degrees of relationship. And we're invested into relationship with one another. And we care about how each other is doing. How are you doing in your workplace? Are you managing to love people with the love of Jesus in your workplace? Have you managed to share the gospel? Maybe you're finding that really scary. Maybe we can encourage each other. Maybe we can pray together. Maybe we can hear words from God for one another. Maybe you just want someone to pray alongside you because there's someone you've been trying to reach out to and we can pray together for that person. But also, as well as doing that, as well as all of us going out there and doing it in our workplace, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, there's the loving people together, corporately, the VIP events, the Homes of Hope. How's Homes of Hope doing? Did anybody know that we have houses to reach homeless people? Are we praying into that? Are we considering whether we could work together? Maybe we could get involved. Maybe we could volunteer. Again, it's, am I taking seriously what God is saying to us as a people? Recently, uh, and you may have heard um, other people mention this, there was a big survey into what are the most influential factors in people becoming Christians. Uh, And this was carried out by the Church of England and the Evangelical Alliance and Hope. And um, they did this survey, and it was loads of really interesting information. One of the the things they did was, was how people became Christians. And the most influential factor that people said that led them to become a Christian was growing up in a Christian family. Well, that's, that's amazing. That's fantastic. And it really kind of encourages those of us who are parents um, to really invest into our kids. And, and those of you who will be parents um, one day, I really want to encourage you, never think that you're doing your bit just by taking your kid to Sunday school. Because actually, it's the parents who will always be the primary responsibility for discipling their children. It's like God entrusts your own little church to you. And you are the pastor of your church. You've made it to the big time. And, and you can be the full-time pastor of your own little church. Because that's the responsibility that God gives you to disciple and bring up your children. That's amazing. It's a huge responsibility. But if we meet people on the street, we can't change whether they grew up in a Christian family or not, can we? It's not like we can kind of meet someone and say, we want to lead them to the Lord, so we'll make them have grown up in a Christian family. (laughs) So the second thing, and I found this really interesting, the second most influential factor was attending a church service other than a wedding or a funeral. Yeah? So not a wedding or a funeral, that came much further down the list, which is surprising because sometimes we think, oh great, we'll, we'll rely on those to lead people to the Lord. But actually, it was coming to an ordinary, everyday church service that was one of the most influential things. After that was reading the Bible. Really interesting. Sometimes we think that the day of using scripture and reaching out to people has passed. And we've got, actually the Bible is still really powerful in leading people to Jesus. After that came having a conversation with a Christian that they knew well. And what I found interesting was it was three times more likely to make an impact on someone if it was with someone they knew well than if it was with a stranger. So it's three times more effective. So for your friends, it's going to be, statistically, three times more effective if you talk to them about Jesus than if you pray, oh Lord, 
please let them meet someone who will tell them about you. Has anyone ever prayed that prayer? Oh, Lord, please send someone into their life. Let them meet a preacher on the street or someone on the train or share the gospel with them. Actually, you're praying, and God, I know God can do anything. But you're actually praying, Lord, use something that's three times less effective than if I just got up and went and spoke to them about Jesus. And then after that came an experience of the love of Jesus, actually being impacted by his love, presumably through people, I'm assuming. And what I find interesting is actually people could select more than one of these, so probably a number of them were working together at once. Because actually probably for most people who went to a church service, it was probably because a friend talked to them and invited them. Because actually not that many people, it happens, but not that many people just suddenly wake up and think, I'll go to church today. Now, the reason I share this is because actually people meeting with us as the church community is really significant. People coming in and experience something of us being corporately together and worshipping together and experiencing God's presence amongst us and what God does and what goes on when we're together is really significant. And it further adds weight to what we have felt God saying to us as a community about being multi-site, about being present in different parts of Manchester. I mean, I had a dream, I had a dream of having this really big building, um, I really felt God spoke to me about thinking next in terms of 2,000 people. So I was like, right, okay, we're going to have this 2,000-strong congregation because I just assumed it was going to be all together in one place. And I was like, we're going to have this amazing building, this amazing facility. And we were looking around at buildings, and, um, and people would say, well, what about this building? I was like, no, it's no good. It's got to have at least 2,000 seats in it. Um, and God spoke to us. God spoke to us as a team. God spoke to us as a church. And said, this isn't the way it's going to be. This isn't what I've got for you. And there are churches um, in this city that might have, you know, auditoriums for 2,000 one day. And that might be what God leads them to. And that's great if that's God's plan for them. But what God said to us was that this isn't the way it's going to be for you. Actually, I'm going to cause you to spread out and have communities all over Greater Manchester. And he showed us various different pictures at different times. Things like lights coming on in different parts of the city. And we know that that's not just about King's Church. We know that that's being part of the whole body of Christ in this region. But nevertheless, God's saying to us, this is what I've got for you. Now, this is my challenge to us. If God's saying that to us, then he's saying it to you. And so I want to encourage you to care, to care what's going on with this whole multi-site thing, to care what's going on in Salford, to care what's going on in Longsite, to care what goes on here in the mornings in Manchester, and to care about how long has it been since we last planted? When did we last plant? Do I know? Do I care? How long has it been? If God has said that we're to plant all over the city, when did I last pray? God, help us to raise up, raise up the leaders that we need and the workers that we need to go and to do it again. When did I last pray, Lord, help our leaders to know where you're leading us to go? When did I last go, God, show me, give me a word that I can share? We really believe God is saying, yes, now is the time to plant again. Specifically, we felt God saying to us that we need to plant into North Manchester and that we also need to plant into southwest Manchester, the kind of Wivenshaw, Sale, Northern Moor, if you know that kind of area, that kind of area, somewhere around there. We don't have exact locations, and we don't have exact timings. 
We'd love it if we could plant um, into North Manchester this year and into Southwest Manchester next year, but we don't know exact timings. We're sharing it with you now so that it's not like leaders are plotting their little things behind closed doors, but so that we can own together a sense of God speaking to us as a people, so that we can be praying into it, so that we can care. And that's my challenge and my appeal to us this evening. Because we are not just a bunch of individuals all doing our own thing, going our own way, doing whatever seems fit in our own eyes. But we are the church of Jesus Christ. And for most of us in this room right now, for this season of our life at least, we are King's Church. And that means that God has spoken to you about having communities of this church established all over this city, all over this region. It means God has spoken to you about having communities that people can come into and get saved and find hope in Jesus and experience the love of God in Jesus Christ. That you would say, yeah, we have to love this city. We have to love Greater Manchester. I can't just be about what's good for me and my own little world, but I have a responsibility. I'm a child of God, part of his family, and we have to make an impact in this city. We have to see it transform. We have to proclaim the gospel. We have to have signs and wonders following. We have to make an impact. We have to make a difference. So we want to do things in the right time. We want to do things in the right way. We want God's help with how we make sure that what we've got already is well established and well led. But we also recognize that whenever you grow, there are growing pains involved. And we want to be stretched, and we want to be courageous, and we want to lay hold of what God is calling us to together. And so we're asking, could we be invested and could we pray into that together? So I'm going to ask us to pray now just to end our time this evening. Uh, just to pray in groups again, to pray for, for leaders, to, um, you know, that God will give us wisdom and direction, to pray for us as a body that we know where God is calling us to. You can pray, Lord, help us to find specific places where we're supposed to meet, where we're supposed to start exactly in those places. Um, pray that God will be speaking to people, envisioning them to, to be a part of what he's doing. Um, pray for courage. Pray for God's timing. But more than just praying now, would you be praying in the coming days? Would you be thinking about this? Would you be thinking about how can I play my part in what God is calling us to do together as a church? Amen? Okay, so let's pray together and I'll hand back over to Lucundo. So just with the people around you for a few moments. Mm-hmm.